You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Well, good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. And please remind your friends and family that they can listen to the show later in the week because usually within 24 or 36 hours, the show is archived on America's Web Radio. And you can go to the webpage for our Constitution on America's Web Radio and click on the link to the previous show. In fact, a lot of previous shows, so you can listen to a lot of what we've been doing over the last several months and uh, encourage people to do this because more and more people right now are getting concerned about the Constitution and about the future of our country, and rightly so. I uh, watched the debate the other night. I thought Hillary Clinton was her usual self, not answering any questions or answering questions of platitudes. I thought Donald Trump was a clear winner in that debate. It doesn't seem to have helped him much in the polls because he's being hammered so much by the media. And he's being hammered for stupid statements he made about 11 years ago. He's being hammered for virtually everything he does. And it's not going to stop. I mean, we have a situation here where we have a totally corrupt mainstream media that is in the tank for Hillary Clinton. They've been in the tank for Obama for eight years. There's no reason for them not to be in the tank for Hillary. And they are going to try to decide the outcome of this election. They are going to tell us how to vote. Now, it's gotten so bad that now the the WikiLeaks emails are coming out showing that the media has actually been staging interviews with Clinton. Now, Now, let's look back, first of all, at the First Amendment to the Constitution, freedom of the press. Why was it so important for the Founding Fathers to put in that amendment that protected freedom of the press? It was because the philosophy was is that the news media was to be the watchdog for the American people. Back then it was just newspapers. There was no radio or TV. Now we have all kinds of media out there. <clears throat> But the press was supposed to be the watchdog for the American people, watching over our government, reporting when our government tried to do something illegal or was doing something illegal or something unconstitutional. I've I've watched that evolve over the years to the point where the media is totally in the tank for left-wing causes. The media, for the most part, has become a political wing of the Democratic Party and for liberalism in this country. And this is this is not something new. I mean, I can remember back in, uh, I think it was 1968, on uh, the LSU campus where I was going to school at that point, and they had the Vietnam Moratorium. And it may have been another year, but it was in that period. The Vietnam War Moratorium, which was declared by the left-wingers to oppose the Vietnam War, and college students all over the country were told to boycott their classes that day and to go out and stage demonstrations. Well, the media 
national news media, particularly CBS, as, as I recall, decided to target four or five campuses around the country to report on what was supposed to be a great demonstration, a great phenomenon. And one of them they targeted was LSU. LSU was basically a conservative campus. LSU had been a military school for almost 100 years. ROTC was mandatory for all male college students that went to LSU. So we had a lot of people at LSU who were in supporting the efforts being made in Vietnam and particularly supporting our troops. There were small numbers of protesters out there. And, you know, obviously dissenters because you had a campus of about 20,000 people. But it wasn't a large number. So we, and I say we, Young Americans for Freedom and the Young Republicans, because at that point I was a campus chairman for the Young Republicans and also the uh, state chairman for Young Americans for Freedom, we urged students not to boycott classes, and we said that we would be staging a pro-military, pro-Vietnam demonstration around a flagpole in the early afternoon. It wasn't surprising to me, but it was surprising to the news media, apparently, that in some of my, in all of the classes I attended that morning, they had 100% attendance, probably for the first time since the class had been started. They had 100% attendance. Then we had what we call Free Speech Alley, which was an area that was set aside on Wednesdays for people to get up on the soapbox and talk about whatever they wanted to talk about. And it, you know, it was a different atmosphere back then for the most part. Uh, I can remember getting up there during the political campaigns and, and whatever anything was going on and talking about my conservative view, my conservative beliefs. And then the head of the young Democrats would get up and he would talk and we would argue back and forth and we would go, go at each other all the time. And then when the free speech alley was over, we'd go have a beer. We were good friends. There was no animosity between us. We didn't hate each other. I didn't hate him because he was a Democrat. He didn't hate me because I was a Republican. We talked about policy, we disagreed on policy, but we were, in fact, friends. Well, on this particular day, we had our usual exchange at, at uh, Free Speech Alley. And as a matter of fact, he was not really opposed to the war in Vietnam. So it, it went pretty good for our side. And then they had that demonstration in the afternoon when there were supposed to be 400 people march from LSU to the state capitol in Baton Rouge, and they were going to march to oppose the war in Vietnam. We were holding our rally at the flagpole, and CBS News was there covering it. Well, the campus advisor from my Young Americans for Freedom chapter, the faculty advisor, was a gentleman who was the head of the engineering department, and he had been a longtime professor there, and he was in the crowd because they were organizing and getting ready to do the march on, on the parade ground, from the parade ground to the state capitol. At the same time, we were holding the, uh, the pro-American demonstration, and we had probably four or five times as many people as they had. 
So this wasn't what CBS wanted to see. This is not what they wanted to report on. So the CBS reporter at the time, who was there, and I, I frankly don't remember who it was. It, it uh, may have been Dan Rather, but uh, I think it was Dan Rather. But anyway, the professor was standing near the reporter and followed the reporter when he went up to the head of the anti-war demonstration and asked him if they were going to take down the American flag and raise a Viet Cong flag or display a Viet Cong flag. And the, the kid who was in charge, supposedly, of this demonstration was kind of taken aback, according to this professor. Was, I mean, this was not SDS. There were a few of those on the campus, but this was just somebody who opposed the war. He was not necessarily a hater. He didn't hate our military, but he was organizing the administration. And he sort of looked at this reporter like, what are you talking about? And he said, we don't have a Viet Cong flag. And the reporter says, that's all right. We got one in our truck. We'll give it to you. We've got one in our truck. We'll give it to you. They were staging things even back then. And fortunately, the young man who was in charge of the anti-war demonstration said, no, we're not going to do that. We're just not going to do it. Now, later that afternoon, some of the more radical types did come back to the parade ground, and this was only like three or four people, and they were going to try to take down the American flag. I don't know if they had a Viet Cong flag at that point or not, but they were going to take down the American flag. Well, during our demonstration on the parade ground, there had been about 40 or 50 people sitting on the steps of the student union, all of who were Cuban refugees, all of whom knew about communism. They were there to support us. Surrounding the parade ground was the entire LSU football team, just to make sure that nothing happened. But we suspected that they would try something after we were gone. So I happened to be near the parade ground, and I saw these four people rushing towards the flag, and when that happened, cars, four cars drove up on the parade ground from four different directions and basically chased these people off. So the flag didn't come down. But CBS News wanted that flag to come down. They wanted to be able to tell people that the students at LSU were opposed to the war in Vietnam were opposed to the American military. They weren't able to do that. But we're talking about many years ago now when this occurred. Forty years. And over 40 years. The media has not gotten better. The media has gotten worse. We've seen it repeatedly. When Ronald Reagan was running for president, and I was on his campaign staff. He was trashed by the media at every opportunity. 
that was pretty bad. But nothing compared to what's happened today. The media, there's no pretext anymore about being neutral. If you look at the emails coming out, the WikiLeaks emails that have been hacked, and I'm concerned about how easy it apparently is to hack emails, particularly emails of places like the Democratic National Committee, which you would think would have secure emails. But, of course, Hillary Clinton didn't even secure the emails when she was Secretary of State that were deemed as classified. So why should the DNC do it? In any case, WikiLeaks has been coming out with emails that show how corrupt the media actually is and how they are in collusion with Hillary's campaign. But they're about to do an interview with her. They let her know in advance what some of the questions are going to be. The New York Times does an article about Hillary quoting her and they send the article to her in advance, the publication, so she can decide if she wants some of the quotes removed. We'll talk more about this in a minute after this break. The United States Justice Foundation, since 1979, has been dedicated to instructing, informing, and educating the public on legal issues confronting America. That means you and me. When necessary, this nonprofit organization has had to litigate to present the constitutional view. Since 1980, USJF has submitted testimony to the U.S. Senate on all but one U.S. Supreme Court nominee. Learn more about USJF by visiting their website at www.usjf.net. Support this nonprofit as it defends our rights, our liberty, and our Constitution. Obamacare is failing. We all know that, but you need to know why and what you can do to get us back on the right track. Visit us at ObamacareWatch.org. This is Grace Marie Turner of the Galen Institute. Join us at ObamacareWatch.org. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Who is or what is USJF? It is a nonprofit legal organization founded to protect our rights through the U.S. Constitution. Active in educating the public, USJF has also contributed directly and indirectly to legal defense efforts in many celebrated cases involving fundamental conservative principles. Cases of note include the Mount Soledad Cross case, the Arizona Immigration Law case, the Obama eligibility cases, the NDAA illegal detention issue, and many more. Help this nonprofit as they help you. Visit www.usjf.net today. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. So we have the news media totally in the tank for Hillary. We see that from the, you know, we, most people knew that from the beginning. And it doesn't really surprise us, except maybe to the extent of it, when we look at these emails from WikiLeaks that's been released, about how the media will do basically whatever Clinton wants them to do. But we saw that in the debates. 
the only moderator of a debate, and it wasn't really a debate, it was a, a forum on veterans, a forum on the military, the commander-in-chief forum, Matt Lauer, I thought did a pretty good job. He was fair, he was asking questions of both candidates and challenging them equally. I thought he did a very good job. The left went ballistic because they didn't want Matt Laird to be neutral, to do what he was supposed to do, to be fair. They wanted Matt Laird to be an attack dog against Trump and to kiss the posterior of Hillary Clinton. He didn't do it. But boy, in the first debate and the second debate, the moderators did. They basically were part of the Clinton team. They attacked Donald Trump. They interrupted Donald Trump. They wouldn't let him speak. They questioned him. Um, Martha Raddatz the other night, she actually started debating Trump. Actually started debating Trump when he said that the idea of leaking or talking in advance about our strategy in fighting ISIS or any other enemy was a bad idea. Telegraphing to them what we're going to be doing was a bad idea. She challenged him on that directly. Didn't kick it to, to Hillary to respond to it, but she says, well, sometimes the military does that for uh, propaganda purposes. No, the military never under any circumstances, lays out the direct plans of how we're going to deal with the military situation. You may put out false plans to try to confuse the enemy, get them to look in the wrong direction. But can you imagine the outcome if we had Obama as president or Hillary as president? And in May of 1944, they said, we're going to, we're coming after you. We're going to invade Normandy. That's where the invasion will be of Europe in Normandy. And it will occur on this date, around this date. Well, the Germans would have, they, they came close to it anyway, defeated us on the beaches. But Martha Raddatz, she thinks that sort of thing is a good idea. So she attacks Trump. And that gives you an idea of how this is working. And of course we have the false ads being put out by the Hillary campaign. I don't know if you've seen the one that's really interesting. It's a gentleman who claims to be a lifelong Republican. And he talks about how he has always voted Republican, but he can't do it this time because Trump is so corrupt Trump is so dangerous, so he is going to be, for the first time in his life, voting Democrat and voting for Hillary Clinton. Well, guess what, folks? This guy is not a Republican. He is a lifelong Democrat donor who has given money to Democratic candidates for years. Yet they put him on the television in an ad, and he says this, and has anybody in the media challenged him? Or challenged the ad or reported that he had his phony? Not that I've seen. Maybe you've seen it, but I haven't seen it. So again, we have 
media and the Clinton campaign in collusion, doing everything they can not to safeguard the American people. The media is no longer acting as a watchdog for us. Obama gets by with everything. And the media really doesn't challenge him on anything he's done. No matter how illegal or how unconstitutional, the media has given him a free pass for the almost eight years he's been in office. Now they're giving a free pass to Hillary Clinton. Not just giving her a free pass, but working hard to make sure she gets elected. Another aspect of the WikiLeaks leaks coming out. The Department of Justice. There are emails there from the Department of Justice, which is supposed to be our watchdog for our country's laws and enforcing our country's laws. Department of Justice sharing information with the Clinton campaign about the investigation into her email scandal. That's not only unethical, that's illegal. Department of Justice was basically telling her, this is what you need to do to protect yourself. And then, of course, we have the meeting between Bill Clinton and Loretta Lynch, 39-minute meeting, where, according to them, they talked about golf, Loretta Lynch didn't play golf. They talked about grandchildren. Loretta Lynch didn't have any grandchildren. What they talked about was getting Hillary off the hook or violating federal law by using an unsecured server, private server, to send out emails regarding her tenure as Secretary of State. That's what they talked about. Interestingly enough, the next day, Hillary lets it be known that if she is elected president, she is going to reappoint Loretta Lynch as Attorney General. And shortly after that, the director of the FBI, who I thought was a good guy and who I respected for a long time, but I no longer respect because I think he's he been bought and paid for. Either that or he just sold out. But the director of the FBI comes out and blasts Hillary for carelessness, extreme carelessness, but declines to prosecute her. And then continues to defend that in front of Congress. Declines even to investigate her for the fact that when she had 33,000 emails destroyed, what they call bleached, acid washed, so they can't ever be found, supposedly. When she had those destroyed, she was under a congressional subpoena, which is the same as a subpoena from a court. It has the force of law. She was under a congressional subpoena not to destroy or delete any emails. Then the FBI, we find out, makes a deal with some of the witnesses, potential witnesses against Hillary, members of her own staff, gives them immunity for talking to them, and then takes their laptops and destroys the laptops, destroys evidence. All of this was being done 
while all of this evidence was under subpoena by Congress. And James Tomley says, well, we're not going to investigate this. No big deal. Somebody ought to be investigating the FBI. And, you know, I've known FBI agents all my life. And I'll bet a lot of them in the FBI right now. And, by the way, they were all, any of them involved in this investigation were forced to sign non-disclosure agreements, saying that they would never talk about this investigation to anybody. That's something totally new and unheard of. But I bet a lot of these people are really infuriated right now. They've seen what was once a highly respected law enforcement organization be turned into a shill for a presidential candidate and for the current administration. So you have the Department of Justice in the tank for Hillary. You have the Obama administration in the tank for Hillary. And sure, you know, he's a Democrat. Obama's a Democrat, so he can support the Democratic candidate. But to have his Department of Justice protect her for potential prosecution, that he is not legally entitled to do. Because the Department of Justice has been protecting him and his administration for years. Even when they handled the Department of Justice, Eric Holder was in fact committing criminal acts on his own. Obama was protecting him and vice versa. Now we have Loretta Lynch protecting him. So we basically have, in the United States right now, the largest criminal enterprise in our history. Forget Al Capone. Forget the mafia. This is a criminal enterprise that extends into our news media, permeates our government, extends into private businesses, and even into foundations, charitable foundations. Look at the Clinton Foundation. Have you heard anybody moderating either of these two debates ever say a word about the Clinton Foundation or ask a question about the Clinton Foundation? Yet the emails we have seen show that the Clinton Foundation was clearly directly tied in to Hillary Clinton when she was Secretary of State, that donations to the foundation were being solicited from countries where homosexuals were executed, where women are oppressed, and if this money was given to the foundation, the people that gave it, whether it was a government, a corrupt government, or a corrupt politician, or a corrupt businessman or business person, if the money was given to them, given by them to the Clinton Foundation, they had special access to the Secretary of State's office. They got special consideration for getting contracts, government contracts to the Secretary of State's office. They pretty much were cleared to do whatever they wanted. 
not conjecture. This is real. The Clinton Foundation is totally corrupt, and we'll take our second break here and talk more about that. Who is or what is USJF? It is a nonprofit legal organization founded to protect our rights through the U.S. Constitution. Active in educating the public, USJF has also contributed directly and indirectly to legal defense efforts in many celebrated cases involving fundamental conservative principles. Cases of note include the Mount Soledad Cross case, the Arizona Immigration Law case, the Obama eligibility cases, the NDAA illegal detention issue, and many more. Help this nonprofit as they help you. Visit www.usjf.net today. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. You know, I'm getting tired of hearing about the Clinton Foundation, their wonderful work and charitable funding, uh, helping the people of Haiti after the earthquake and providing free medicine to treat HIV to individuals around the world. All these wonderful things that the Clinton Foundation supposedly does. The main thing the Clinton Foundation does is give money to Hillary and Bill Clinton and their daughter Chelsea. And she makes $99,000 a year working for the Foundation. There's even emails from her that have been leaked showing that she had a great deal of concern about the relationship between her mother as Secretary of State and the Clinton Foundation. Not that she was worried about the fact that it was being done unethically, but just to worry about somebody might find out about it. In fact, the Clinton Foundation pays a lot of the expenses for the Clintons. And, of course, donations to the Foundation also allow Clinton, Bill Clinton, and Hillary Clinton, before she was Secretary of State, in a sense, to get these countries who want special access or to get organizations like Wall Street banks that want special access, pay them a whole bunch of money for a speech, and you get your special access. You get them in your pocket. 
You own the cleanse at that point. This is what they call pay for play. And it's real. It's not something that the Republicans have just made up. This is what's been going on. But it gets worse. I mean, you, you know, we have Hillary Clinton who claimed that when she and Bill left the White House, that they were totally broke. Well, they weren't totally broke. And, of course, I think she was basically upset when she talked about this because of the fact that she had to give back all the stuff she'd stolen from the White House when they left. We're talking about computers. We're talking about furniture. We're talking about China. We're talking about things that don't belong to the president and the first lady. They belong to the American people. And the president and first lady are allowed to use them. But for the Clintons, well, the equity of the American people, we were the we were in the White House. That's our stuff. We don't take it with us. Well, she was forced to give it all back. So she was probably upset about that. But then she says, well, we were flat broke. Now they're worth $100 million? They're supposedly public servants. How many public servants do you, uh, you know out there who have spent their 30 years supposedly in public service, who are worth $100 million. Well, the Clintons are. But here's some things that I have been learning about the Foundation that give me even more concern. And by the way, it's interesting that the Attorney General of the State of New York has gone after the Trump Foundation and suspended them from raising money in New York because they haven't filed proper paperwork. It turned out the Clinton Foundation had not filed a proper, proper paperwork either. What did the Attorney General do about them? Did he suspend them from raising money? No. He said, that's okay, don't worry about it, just turn in the paperwork when you get a chance. Another example of the double standard that we're facing in this country. From what I'm hearing about the Clinton Foundation, the corruption goes even deeper, and it goes to the point where people are dying as a result of the Clinton Foundation actions. Supposedly, they raised millions and millions of dollars to help the people of Haiti after the earthquake. They spent a lot of money. They gave a lot of that money to people they had deals with companies that gave them kickbacks. They were supposed to build thousands of new homes in Haiti. They built just a few. Nowhere close to what they were supposed to build. Yet a lot of money was spread around in Haiti to politicians, to contractors, all of who probably gave them kickbacks. But then you have the HIV drug. Now, this is where it gets really interesting. This drug is dispensed free of charge, disposing millions of HIV patients around the world. <clears throat> An investigation has uncovered the fact that the drug is, in fact, diluted and virtually useless. 
people who are taking this drug are not having their lives saved. They're dying. Who's dispensing this drug? Well, it's a pharmaceutical company that is not based in the United States, as far as I know, but has direct ties to the Clintons and to the Clinton Foundation. It's a big donor to the Clinton Foundation. And the Clinton Foundation turns around and gives them money to dispense this drug, to manufacture and dispense it. Well, that's kind of strange to begin with. I mean, you know, the company gives money to the Clinton Foundation. The Clinton Foundation gives money to the, the company. The company gives money back to the Clinton Foundation. You know, somebody's making a lot of money here. But in order to save that money, and so that more can be distributed to the Clintons and to the head of the pharmaceutical company, they've diluted the drug. They're sending out medication that is ineffective instead of medication that would save people's lives. So you got people around the world potentially dying in order for the Clintons' pockets to be lined. Yet nobody's talking about the Clinton Foundation. Well, you hear it on Fox News, but you don't hear it on any, any place else. I am hopeful that in next Wednesday's debate, that Chris Wallace will bring that up as one of the questions for Hillary Clinton. I hope and I think that Chris Wallace will be fair to the candidates, to both candidates, and will not favor one or the other. But I hope he asks the hard questions of Hillary Clinton. And I expect him to ask hard questions of Donald Trump, which is fine. If you're running for president, you should be asked hard questions. But so should your opponent. And that's not what we see happening in the current makeup of the media. We need to think about something else here and go back to the corruption of the Department of Justice. Sheriff Joe out in Phoenix, Arizona and I always mispronounce his name, Sheriff Joe Aprio, Aprio I think it is, <clears throat> has been the sheriff there for eight terms or seven terms. He's up for election for his eighth term. He is an extremely popular sheriff and has done something the federal government, particularly under Obama, has refused to do. He's enforced the immigration laws. He's tried to keep illegals off the streets of Phoenix, get them deported, and if they're arrested, keep them in jail until they can be deported. He's trying to protect the people of Phoenix. The people of Arizona. Well, the Department of Justice is now filing criminal charges against Sheriff Joe for daring to enforce federal law. He's not making this stuff up. He's enforcing the laws that exist about illegal immigration, something that Hillary Clinton refuses to do and said she will refuse, continue to refuse to do. Obama's refusing to do. They are constitutionally obligated to do that 
because they took the same oath of office I did as a military officer, and that is to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. There are criminal penalties for violating that oath. Yet they do it on a daily basis. For that matter, so does so many members of Congress on both sides of the aisle. But we have a situation where a law enforcement officer, and we know how Hillary feels about law enforcement, she refused, declined to even ask for the endorsement of uh, major police unions. Instead, she, she treasures the endorsement by Black Lives Matter that calls for police to be slaughtered. Obama has no use for law enforcement when there's a shooting by a police officer of a black person, he automatically will come out and his knee-jerk reaction is, oh, the cop ought to be prosecuted. Doesn't care about the facts, doesn't care, doesn't wait to hear what the facts are. Yes, this is racism. So now they're going after this sheriff. This is political, completely political. They want to keep him from being reelected. They want to keep him from enforcing the laws of the federal government. They want to protect illegal immigration. Why? Well, Hillary has, has said in private, mostly, but in some of her public speeches, at least indicated, that she is for entirely open borders. We're not going to have any borders if Hillary Clinton is elected president. There won't be any Border Patrol agents who are told to stop the illegals from coming in. And if they can't stop the illegals from coming in, they can't stop the terrorists from coming in, they can't stop the weapons from coming in, they can't stop the gang members or the drug dealers from coming in. We're going to see a crime wave in this country unparalleled. But that's what Hillary wants. That's what Obama wants. Because then... They can continue to blame the police. They can continue to blame everybody else. And they can ultimately declare martial law and set up a dictatorship. And that's what we're looking at with Hillary Clinton as president. She does not want to enforce our laws. She only wants to enforce selective laws. Now, believe me, under Hillary Clinton, you will be punished for saying something politically incorrect. but you won't be punished for coming into the country illegally or even committing a crime while you're in this country. Let's take our last break now. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? 
All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. The United States Justice Foundation, since 1979, has been dedicated to instructing, informing, and educating the public on legal issues confronting America. That means you and me. When necessary, this nonprofit organization has had to litigate to present the constitutional view. Since 1980, USJF has submitted testimony to the U.S. Senate on all but one U.S. Supreme Court nominee. Learn more about USJF by visiting their website at www.usjf.net. Support this nonprofit as it defends our rights, our liberty, and our Constitution. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. If you believe that what's happening to Sheriff Joe is horrible, brace yourselves, ladies and gentlemen, because it's minor compared to what will happen to people in this country if Hillary Clinton is elected president for Obama's third term. She will appoint Supreme Court justices that will declare the Second Amendment to not be an individual right or just a right of the militia or National Guard, reversing two previous Supreme Court decisions. At that point, she wants to confiscate all handguns in this country. She stated this. She wants to outlaw the private ownership of handguns and ultimately out private ownership of any firearm. You know, forget about this business about, oh, I support the Second Amendment. I just want to close the, the gun show loopholes. You been to a gun show lately? If you go to virtually any booth in a gun show and want to buy a firearm, you have to fill out the form. You have to get a background check. There is no gun show loophole. The only loophole is that if you are at a gun show and you are an individual that's not a licensed firearm dealer, and you have a firearm that you want to sell, or you're looking to buy one from some individual, you don't have to do a background check. You don't have the facilities to do a background check. That's a private transaction. So this idea of closing a loophole, there is no loophole. Hillary wants to disarm the American people. And Obama has set the stage by signing and enforcing the small UN Small Arms Treaty without submitting it to the Senate for ratification by a two-thirds majority like he's required to do by law and by the Constitution. The problem with the background checks is that's supposed to be confidential. You fill out the form, it's sent to the FBI by the gun dealer, the FBI comes back and says, well, this person... It's not on the NCIS list. Uh, that's the list of people who cannot legally purchase firearms in this country. Therefore, you can sell them a firearm, or the FBI comes back and says, this person is on the list, you can't legally sell them a firearm. Either way, within 72 hours, that document is supposed to be destroyed. 
there's not supposed to be any record kept of you purchasing a firearm or applying to purchase a firearm. Yet that's bull. I know for a fact that under the Obama administration, those records have been compiled and are now in the process of being turned over to the United Nations as required by the treaty. This is what Hillary wants more of. She wants more regulation. She wants to set up the manufacturers of a firearm so that they can be helpable. If someone buys a, one of their firearms or even steals one of their firearms and goes out and commits a crime, she wants him to be sued and basically put out of business. If that is adopted, then gun manufacturers in this country will be put in business. And you and I won't be able to go buy firearms because she will ban the imports of firearms from other countries. She will disarm the American people. Ladies and gentlemen, my book, my new patriotic novel, The Rag, R-A-G, The Rag, deals with this very subject and deals with the prospect of what will happen if we have somebody like Hillary Clinton in the White House, or we have a continuation of Obama in the White House. And all these things come to pass. We lose our freedom of religion. We lose our freedom of speech. We lose our right to keep and bear arms. We lose our right to due process under law. And we become a dictatorship. We become a... Nazi Germany or Soviet Union. And since it has come out, particularly as an e-book on Amazon Kindle, and it's now available as an e-book on virtually everywhere, and as a hard copy and as paperback. But it is on Amazon Kindle been in the top one percent of sales for almost two weeks now ever since it became an e-book. Top 1% of sales means that out of several million e-books on Amazon, we are almost number one, very close to being number one. I'm gratified for this. I think people are reading this. The reviews we're getting are incredible. Uh, people are going, you know, this is what's happening. We hope this is what will happen if necessary that the resistance kind of breaks out. So if you haven't gotten a copy of my book, The Rag, you can order it through my website at www.michaelconnelly.com. You can link that website through the Our Constitution page of America's Web Radio. You can also order it from uh, virtually any of the major distributors, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, you name it, everybody's carrying it at this point. It's making people stop and think. It's also making people stand up and cheer. Because there's so much out there that, that we're being threatened by right now. And, you know, earlier I was talking with David about the, the 20th Amendment to the Constitution, which is a 
amendment that was basically passed to clarify something else in the Constitution, but it sort of muddied the waters. The fact of the matter is that it looks like Hillary has some serious health problems. Now, she's being, I think, pumped full of drugs to make her capable of giving these speeches and everything. But the hard campaigning seems to make her end up in bed. There's supposedly a, a possible heart valve problem. We still don't have any, any real medical records being released by her. We don't really know what happened to her on that day that she she fell on the anniversary of 9-11. So there's a real possibility here that Hillary Clinton could be elected president and not be able to serve or die shortly after she takes office. Well, there are two scenarios here. If she's elected president and she dies after she takes office, then Tim Kaine becomes the president of the United States. The vice president automatically secedes her. The question is, what happens if she dies before she is sworn in as president, but after she is elected? Well, under the 20th Amendment to the Constitution, it's pretty clear that Tim Kaine would still become president at that point. But if for some reason something happens to him and he can't become president, then it's up to the House of Representatives to choose the president. But here's the scary scenarios. We know that the president of the United States, the current president, Barack Obama, has no regard for the Constitution, does not follow the Constitution, and unfortunately the leadership in both houses of Congress basically don't do anything about it when he doesn't follow the Constitution. So he's been emboldened to ignore the Constitution. So I've had several people raise this possibility with me recently. And, you know, it may sound like a conspiracy theory, but then again, maybe not. Hillary Clinton dies or Hillary Clinton's elected president and announces that her health is so bad that she cannot serve. Tim Kaine does not accept being president of the United States because he's been threatened or told not to. At that point, who's the president? Well, it's supposed to go to the House of Representatives. But Obama announces, well, you know what? I don't think it needs to go to the House of Representatives. What I'll do is I'll schedule a new election for a year down the road. And in the meantime, I will continue to serve as president of the United States. You think Obama wouldn't do this? You thought he'd get away with it? I think Obama would definitely do it. And I think there's a possibility Obama might do it. What I'm saying here is that we have, we face right now a crisis in this country. Come January of next year, we may find ourselves falling very rapidly down the slippery slope into dictatorship. We're going to see the end of our constitutional republic. We're going to see the end of individual liberties. And what are we going to do about it? I'm going to have a lot to say about that down the road, if that, in fact, is where we're going. Because I, for one, 
first, you know, I'm a radio talk show host. I'm a constitutional lawyer. I have my own blog. I'm an author. I run the United States Justice Foundation. But that's what I do. That's not who I am. Who I am, first and foremost, is an American soldier who took an oath to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. That oath never goes away. That will make me obligated if we start heading to be a dictatorship, me obligated to defend my country. But what I'm doing now, or maybe something else. Anyway, thank you for listening in, and I look forward to talking to you again next week. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.